Hi everyone and welcome to Spiritual Table Talk. Today we're doing Espiritismo of the Mesa Blanca Part 2. It's part of a series on Espiritismo. Our last part just came out. And today I want to talk about the war against the Mesa Blanca tradition. So this is a really important part to understand within the history of Espiritismo because it gives you that foundation in order to really fully flesh out your understanding of why things are the way that they are. Before we get into that, as always, you can subscribe to this podcast via Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, or your favorite podcast app. You can make a donation to the Mystic House at Cash App, Dollar Sign, Hector Salva, or via PayPal, help at mysticalwork.com. And for those of you who haven't heard, I just released the news of a huge surprise. I recently bought a church, and that church is going to be a place for the Spiritual Institute and Center for Spiritual Growth, Consciousness, and a Mystery School. So I'm really excited about that. I actually just closed on the church yesterday. It's really exciting. I made a TikTok, put it all over the place about that fact. So within the history of Espiritismo, Puerto Rican Espiritismo, or Espiritismo of the Mesa Blanca tradition, we have a period in time in which there was a very direct war, a very conscious effort to stamp out and get rid of Espiritismo in the Puerto Rican culture. And this is very important in order to understand because throughout the, because of this war, as a result of this war, this actually caused for a lot of Puerto Rican people nowadays to be suffering from a sense of disconnection from their own spiritual roots and their sense of culture, identity, and of themselves. So it's really important to understand that this war really was uh, intentional. And there a lot of thought went into getting rid of Mesa Blanca and Puerto Rican Espiritismo in Puerto Rico. And it's really important. I I am always surprised to find out, but hey, everyone's different geography is not everyone's strong suit. A lot of people are not aware that Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. It's owned by the U.S. government and was given over to the U.S., as a result of the Spanish-American War. So, Espiritismo, for a long time since it entered the island of Puerto Rico, had a huge growth. There was a period in time where Allen Kardec, the codifier of Espiritismo, his books on Espiritismo sold more than even the Bible itself. They sold more Espiritismo books within Puerto Rico than any other publication in Puerto Rico. 
It's really significant because that was the heyday of the Puerto Rican Espiritista movement. During that time, Espiritismo was like practiced everywhere. And the practice had many variants. And yet it was practiced absolutely everywhere by it's estimated over 95% of Puerto Ricans. This all sort of came crashing down at some point. And in part, you had some followers of Kardashian spiritism, which is different than Puerto Rican Mesa Blanca. It's considered to be a philosophical, scientific approach to the spiritual realm. And it's different than Mesa Blanca. So people who practice Kardashian spiritism, which are Kardashians, we refer to them, Kardashian practitioners, started an all-out war against Espiritista that practiced Mesa Blanca. Mesa Blanca combined Kardashian spiritism practices and philosophies alongside of indigenous shamanism and indigenous traditions, African traditions and influences and spiritualities, as well as other occult, as well as esoteric knowledge hermetic knowledge that came from Europe. And so Mesa Blanca was seen in the eyes of Kardashian spiritists as being backwards, (coughs) as being non-evolutionary, and it was seen as being like a stain on the mark of spiritism as a whole. So Kardashian spiritists, really went to war in order to denounce, to ridicule, to mock, to try to stamp out the practice of Puerto Rican Mesa Blanca, which by this point really outnumbered the number of Kardashian spiritist practitioners. Kardashian spiritist practitioners had basically lower numbers because Espiritismo of Mesa Blanca was the popular Espiritismo of the low and middle classes and of the majority of the inhabitants of the island. And so Kardashian Spiritism, which was often practiced more commonly by the upper middle classes as well as the upper classes, sought to really make a differentiation between themselves and Espirititas of Mesa Blanca. And so they went into war, a pretty much all-out crusade against the Espiritita. And throughout this process, eventually, they linked up with the American Protestant churches and the U.S. government, who was also looking to remove, for their different reasonings, this, what they saw as a negative stain or a negative mark 
upon Puerto Rico. And so naturally, the Protestant churches saw it as a form of demonic worship. They saw it as being evil, as being satanic. And the U.S. government, on the other hand, mainly saw it as being something backwards, savage, barbaric, something that just basically did not make the image look good of the island or of its people. And so they really sought to get rid of it. So the Kardashian spiritists basically went into league or teamed up with these two other forces in order to get rid of the spiritism. And for a long time, they worked together. The Protestant, American Protestant churches, as well as the American government, was really able to give the Kardashians the financial backing and the money that they did not have in order to really wage a campaign against the Espiritistas. During this campaign, they went so far as to publish articles, um, to make out pamphlets and handouts, and make people feel bad for following Espiritistas, as well as painting Espiritistas as being charlatans, scammers, evil, or illiterate, not um, knowledgeable, intellectual, or smart. They also made a strong effort to make sure that those people that followed Espiritistas felt stupid for following Espiritistas. And this actually heavily affected the country. It heavily affected. It made people feel ashamed. It made people feel wrong. It made people start to hide the fact that they practiced. They also went to the extent of having Kardashian spiritists go around to purposefully try to shut down the reunions or spiritual get-togethers of Espiritita de Mesa Blanca. So it was an all-out war, police included. This really went and dropped all the numbers of the adherents to Espiritismo. And this war was not a short one. It's a war that lasted for over 50 years. So for over 50 years, the Puerto Rican people were bombarded with propaganda against their cultural practices, against their cultural religions and practices and traditions. And this was a big media campaign, a big media war against that. What the Kardashians never would have guessed was that after they had effectively chopped down the Espiritistas to a certain degree, the Protestant 
church, as well as the Catholic church, the attitude that they took towards Espiritismo changed. In that, while at first they accepted Kardashian Espiritismo almost as a form of science and as a form of philosophy and progression, the Protestant and Catholic churches decided to lump together the Kardec practitioners, the Kardashians, along with the rest of the Mesa Blanca Espiritismo, Espiritista. And so they decided that whether you practice Kardashian Espiritismo, which was originally they supported, or you practice any other type, that it was all demonic. That all types of Espiritismo, any type of dealing with the spiritual realm was the not demonic, okay? They removed their financial backing from the Kardashians. By this point, the Kardashians had already helped the cause of the churches because they originally started to make the other espiritistas look bad. So when the church turned on Kardashian spiritists as well and lumped them all together, espiritismo as a whole had already taken a huge hit. It had already, the numbers had declined extensively. And I would say somewhere over 40% by this point. So over 40 to 50% of people who used to be practitioners already had left the practice. And this happened during the period between 19, roughly 1920 and 1980. So it was, like I said, a long drawn out war. Eventually, the American um, government sector also no longer needed to support the Kardashians because they had made enough progress in getting rid of the practices that they were no longer interested. They were no longer interested in really funneling money into that project anymore. They were no longer interested in this campaign that the Kardashians had against the other Espiritista. As a result, the Kardashian Espiritista actually took one of the hardest hits because in many ways, their, their centers, their spiritual centers, were being financed by these other corporations, basically the U.S. government, as well as the American Protestant Missionary Network. And so it actually took probably the hugest hit because in actuality, many Kardashian centers, spiritual centers, closed as a result of the removal of this. And due to the fact that Kardashian practitioners were already generally lower in numbers rather than the common espiritista, this really affected their whole practice, 
really their whole practice was highly affected to the point where it almost went into complete extinction. It did not go into complete extinction. There are still Kardashian practitioners out there, and there's still Kardashian centers. If I'm not mistaken, one of the first Kardashian centers in Puerto Rico still operates until this day. However, it does not have a large number of adherents. So, <coughs> I really thought the Kardashians, in a way, did themselves in. Once the Protestant church and the Catholic church turned on the Kardashians and lumped them all together, this really made it very difficult for the Kardashian Espiritista to differentiate themselves from the other Espiritistas. And being that for so long, the Kardashian Espiritistas had backed up and were backed up by the church. This kind of gave a lot of credibility to the church when they said all forms of spiritism were satanic or devil worship or evil in nature. So once that had all happened, this is where it's really significant. Espiritismo basically collapsed in a huge way. While there were still centers, there were still practitioners, Espiritismo had lost, I would say, a good 70 to possibly even more percent of its adherents. Although people did still go to Espiritistas for all sorts of healing and help as needed. However, this also created a public form of shame. So in the culture, it became people became ashamed to become associated with Espiritismo, to be considered an Espiritista, and many people hid this fact about them because by and large, due to the propaganda, to, due to the huge media and propaganda campaign, those who practiced were seen as lesser than, backwards, not smart, um, stupid, or foolish. People, it carried a big stigma. That stigma was that you were not advanced, that you were not very bright, you were not very smart, that you were someone who was foolish and easily fooled, you were someone who could not be trusted. And this stigma stuck with Espiritismo. And still, even till this day, it still sticks to a certain degree. This is why I get a lot of people from a Puerto Rican background who say to me like, yeah, my grandmother practices or my grandfather practices, but he doesn't like to discuss it. He likes to keep it hidden. Uh, he he or she acts like he does it. He he or she is not a practitioner. He or she kind of keeps it secret or keeps us away from their practices. This is this still happens up until this day.
is it wasn't until the 80s where the scientific community actually started to see some of the medicinal and therapeutic value within Espiritismo that it hadn't previously known. And they started doing research and seeing that it many of the practices, many of the recipes, herbal recipes, knowledge that came down had both medicinal as well as therapeutic applications, which were scientifically based and which were real. So this didn't happen, unfortunately, until mid about mid to late 80s into the 90s, in which at which point you saw a small resurgence in Espiritismo, a small, a very small resurgence. That resurgence was not strong enough to wipe out the damage that had been done for 60 plus years against the whole culture of Espiritismo. As a result of all of this, what happened was that when people started being born in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, even the 40s, and they started to look for their spiritual roots, they started to have a calling towards their spiritual roots, many of them could not find espiritistas willing to take them on as mentees. Many of them could not find espiritistas who were open and upfront about their practices. As a result, many Puerto Ricans looking for their ancestral roots, their religious and cultural, spiritual identities and roots started turning towards Cuban religions and other practices, mainly Santeria and Palo Mayombe although they also look towards the 21 divisions as well as Voodoo to a lesser extent. If you were born at that time and you were really trying to look for an Espiritista, it had become slowly more and more increasingly difficult for you to find Espiritistas that had practices that were pure, Mesa Blanca Espiritismo, or that were willing to talk about it, teach you, be your mentor, or take you in spiritually. This left all those people without anything to grab onto, without any doorways, without any avenues, without any pathways spiritually, which as that's going on, more and more Puerto Ricans are also moving towards the mainland, meaning mainland U.S., and abandoning their practices, as well as more and more Cubans are moving into Puerto Rico, and more and more Puerto Ricans are crossing paths with Cubans, Cuban spiritual traditions and religious traditions. So many of them not finding an avenue within their own culture started to look to other avenues, which at that time, one of the biggest one was Santeria. And many became Santeros. Many people went into the Santeria path. Now, 
Santeria was completely and is completely different in its structure and practice than Espiritismo. And this led to a very big, mm, the best word to be said would be schism between what was known and what was being done currently. And it also led to a schism between Puerto Rican people and their indigenous spiritual culture where they couldn't connect and they were unable to understand these frameworks because these frameworks had not been presented to them. So Puerto Rican Espiritismo never really was able to fully recuperate or regain ground as a result of this holy war that went on against the practice for over 50 years. Even when the resurgence in the late 80s, 90s came up, it was really short-lived and it was classified more as like folkloric practices, cultural practices, these things, cultural herbalism, rather than the full-on tradition as it was at one time within its heyday. So what we have now is a result of all of that, where many people are unable to go to elders in their family and have open discussions about Espiritismo. Many people have come to me and been like, you know, I, I know my grandmother practices. I, she has an altar. I've seen her practice. I've seen her do things. Uh, I've seen her call the seres. Or every once in a while, you know, she makes us do these things. You know, various things that come out of Espiritismo. But she's not willing to open up. She's not willing to teach us. She's not willing to show us the way. Or she says things like, oh, those are just things I do. Or those are just things my mother taught me. In a big way, due to the discrimi- so much discrimination that our grandparents and our grand- great-grandparents faced at being a part of this tradition, in a way, they have tried to avoid letting their descendants, their children, their grandchildren, etc., learn and get to know about their religious, spiritual roots and also teach them and pass on the wisdom and the knowledge that comes from those spiritual roots. They were unwilling to do that out of fear that their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren would suffer and face the same discrimination that they had faced and many other problems that they had faced. I'm not really sure, I don't recall if I put this in my book, right? But I don't really call if I put this in my book. But basically, even my grandmother, who was an espiritista, okay? No, I didn't. Okay. Even my grandmother, who was an espiritista, faced a lot of discrimination as a result of being an espiritista back in Puerto Rico. 
So when my grandmother moved up to the U.S. mainland, basically to New York, actually, she thought that she would be able to leave Espiritismo behind her. Many people, when they moved from the Puerto Rican island, the island of Puerto Rico to the mainland, sought to leave Espiritismo behind them. And they had a belief that, which was partially true, that they wouldn't be discriminated against for being practitioners. So they had a belief that they would face discrimination as a result of being practitioners. Many of them also had a belief, my grandmother included, that once you moved to the mainland, things were going to be so great and so wonderful that you wouldn't need you wouldn't need Espiritismo money longer. You would no longer need to practice because things would just be in such ease and abundance. So my grandmother, like many other Puerto Ricans, when she moved to the mainland, she thought that she had left Espiritismo behind her. It was no, not something that she needed any longer and something that she could, for lack of a better word, move past. She no longer needed to be a practitioner. She was free and clear of all of that, and she could move on with her life. Little did she know that the past never leaves you, and when you're an espiritista, you're born that way. You're made that way. That's who you are. It's not something you can just get up and walk away from. So as my grandmother came to the U.S., into New York, what happened was she started to work like many Puerto Rican women did in factories. And what eventually occurred was in various factories, people would recognize her from Puerto Rico. Other Remember these communities, especially these small immigrant communities that were moving here from the island were very well connected and lots of people knew each other. So other Puerto Rican women that she worked alongside of in the factories recognized her and knew her from in Puerto Rico, from being in Puerto Rico and being a practicing espiritista. It came to the point where they would complain to their uh, Caucasian, white, or Jewish bosses of the fear that they were being worked on with brujeria, or that my grandmother was doing spiritual work on them, or that my grandmother was doing spiritual work even on the boss. As a result, even though my grandmother was excellent at her jobs, she kept getting fired. In one case, my grandmother told me that the boss came up to her and told her, basically, he really wanted to keep her on, he didn't believe the lies that he, w he was being told. However, many of her co-workers basically said that if he kept her with them or if he kept her working with them, they would leave. And therefore, he couldn't afford to keep her on one person and lose 10 employees. So he had to fire her instead. So this happened to my grandmother a number of times. And throughout this course of time, 
the spirits kept on coming to her in dreams, telling her to set up her spiritual table. Eventually, my grandmother yielded, and that's exactly what she did. She set up her spiritual table, and she started practicing again in New York as an espiritista. But it took my grandmother. My grandmother was kind of a stubborn person, so and um, hard-headed, as they say. So it took quite a bit of a battle between my grandmother, between when it started and when my grandmother was willing to actually go back into practice. So my grandmother eventually was willing and went back into her spiritual practice and went and started practicing again as a full-time espiritista. Many, I'm sure my grandmother was not the only one, many other Puerto Rican women and men faced this same issue. And this is part of the reason why many of them tried to keep it hidden from their children and their grandchildren, fearing that discrimination happening to them. And why many of them were not willing to share or impart this knowledge. However, tumbling down for the, from that or kind of as another ripple effect of that, many of many Puerto Ricans, many Puerto Rican brothers and sisters, as we say, are now as a result suffering, suffering all types of spiritual, mental and emotional, as well as even physical illnesses and problems as a result of not knowing how to take care of themselves spiritually, how not to how to take care of their spiritual inheritance, how to take care of their spiritual roots and their culture. Many have also lost their way. And this is a result of us not having had a clear passing down of all this knowledge. While the elders intended in the most part to do well by keeping us away from this, it often creates problems and has created a great deal of issues and problems for many Puerto Ricans today, not understanding why they have the issues that they have. And it's simple that they've been torn apart from their roots, which is what they need. I hope that this podcast has helped to give you a clarity on why Espiritismo is the way that it is today and on Espiritismo and the war against Espiritismo as it has happened. As always, like, comment, follow. Make sure you leave us your responses, any Q&A responses or information. As always, we love hearing topic suggestions from you. And if you have Spotify, I believe you can do that in a, a response or a Q&A response. If you do not, you can send that to us, help at mysticalwork.com. Lastly, if you'd like to donate, you can donate via Cash App, dollar sign Hector Salva, or via PayPal, help at mysticalwork.com. You can subscribe to this podcast at Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, or your favorite podcast app. We'll speak again with part three coming up next the week after this. And many blessings to you always. Keep the faith.